0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, and here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you on a Monday night. And tonight, we're not the Common Man's NBA podcast. We are the Common Man's NCAA college basketball podcast because we have a oh. very special guest on, Noah. Very special Recurring guest. guest. We, we had him on last year. People went wild for it. It's our good friend... Uh, so many occupations journalist media relations for various MLB teams media relations for the NBA he's pretty much done it all if there's a sport out there he's written about
1: it it is our good friend Ryan Coleman Ryan Coleman welcome on hey Hello. thank you very much third time this is uh, very exciting for me I, I don't know uh, I I can't express how honored I am to be on here for a third time because it's been fun every every time and I'm excited to talk more college basketball
0: hell yeah Oh yeah, uh, Ryan. Why don't you let's let's take a moment? You know, you actually have your own podcast that yes. is a fantastic podcast. You have our good friend Zach on there. You guys are seriously two of the biggest college basketball nerds, and I mean that in the best sense I possibly can that I've ever met in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um, it's the Six Men College Basketball Podcast. It's on uh, Apple, Google, and Spotify, and I think it works for us because I'm more of a numbers guy, analytics. I like diving into, like, luck matrix and, like, really, really specific stuff. And Zach is more of, like, the narrative guy, the player-based, you know, watching the games more so. So it, 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 we have a nice little one-two punch, if I do say so myself. I um, recommend checking us out. And we, we just started that earlier this season. So it's been pretty good. Um, I love talking college basketball. I love diving into everything about it. So that is, yeah, that is our podcast. Thank you for that chat yeah, absolutely,
0: and no, I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to it yet. But one of the things that I love about what you guys do is you do bring those numbers in in such a an easy to digest way, but you communicate it so well. And you guys, like, I, you guys were doing like blind resumes the other day, and I forget who it was, but the resume was for like Vermont, I think it was, mm-hmm. and I think Zach was like, oh wait, that uh, that kind of sounds like Vermont. And I was like, how the hell do you even know that off the top of your head? But but he nailed it. Um, he so you guys just – was it you or
1: Zach? Am I remembering no, that, that right? that was Zach. Yeah, that is – I think you hit the nail on the, the head there because we did Liberty, Colgate, and Vermont, I think, were the mid-majors that I picked. So you, you were right on the money. Yeah, you flatter me. I try to make it easy to, to digest, you know, get those good nutrients.
0: Yeah. So w- let's start here, Noah. And I, I think this is just an, an easy way to get the ball rolling, and then we can kind of ask our questions. And, Ryan, you can impart all the wisdom that you have about this fantastic sport onto us and the listeners. I think when you're, when you're filling these brackets out, it's really easy to get caught up in the, the seeds, the one, the two next to the name. But, you know, as you kind of watch more and more college basketball, you realize how much less and less that matters Mm-hmm. As you watch more, so we have some contenders in this thing, and we have some some teams that might not be contenders. Noah, do you want to do you want to start your list, or do you want Ryan to kind of tell us about his thoughts?
2: Um, you know, I think I think it would be more fun if I said my list first because I would like to see Ryan's reaction. Yeah, to a guy with everything. Who, Yes, to a guy who does not watch much college basketball, who is ready to spew hot takes all over this podcast right now. I love, I love it, it. Um, Ryan. Do you want to like you want to go I... journalist with it and then give a
0: ranking? <laughs> you know, A through F on every single pick. I can I can give a grading for each pick. Yeah, yeah, um, I like uh, that. I'm down. I'm I like curious. that. That's my favorite. Power <laughs> rankings and grades the most the most important type of journalism there is out there. I know it's really hard to come up with, Ryan, but. <laughs> It's very difficult, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it it's impactful Alrighty. too, like nobody ever like actually checks your grades at the end of the season, no, that's to the see thing. if you're right,
1: yeah, the power ranking or preseason stuff or and unless you're right, and then everyone knows that it's like, oh, I said this you know three months yeah. ago, so they gotta bring it back, but if no one, no one remembers, then did you ever really make the take if the tree falls on the floor <laughs> it
2: doesn't matter all right noah let's uh, uh let's hear these teams, yes, this first list is my top five contenders list um in no particular order these are five teams that i have watched a little bit of and i think are good teams uh okay. number one on the list ryan the yep. baylor bears um okay i think they have a pretty strong resume i think they're a very experienced team they won the national championship last year and they they're just one of those teams they're just crazy on defense their defensive efficiency is crazy and no one wants to play baylor correct ryan no one wants to play Baylor. I don't know if there's
1: many teams that people are like, I really want to play that team in college basketball, but Baylor is definitely on the list of I don't want to play that team.
2: I like that. Uh, I like Baylor. Uh, I got to watch them last year, Ryan, and I know they had Davion Mitchell. Um, they mm-hmm. had that other guy that got drafted by the Seahawks, but uh, are they still Are they still enough of that team last year, Ryan, to where you think they can make another run forward this season? You know, if
1: you're asking – 90% of college basketball analysts, ever uh, they'd probably agree with you in the sense that Scott Drew is obviously experienced enough. Uh, he put away, uh, put up that team yes, last year that obviously won it. But if you're asking me, uh, I'd give you like a B- on that. Um, it's Ooh. not the most egregious take. They do okay. have a pretty good okay. path. Um, obviously, you can't predict the teams they're going to face, but I think they have the easiest 8-9 matchup following. I think uh, UCLA mm-hmm. and St. Mary's are one of the weaker 5-4 teams, even though St. Mary's is a bit underrated. And then the bottom of that bracket doesn't exactly scare me, except Kentucky. I would take Kentucky over them. But other than that, my biggest thing is just their injuries. They're mentioning uh, JTT, Everyday mm. John, Jonathan tatua I'm never going to pronounce it right, so I just say JTT. He's not a starter, but he adds a lot of minutes. He's one of their more prolific rebounders, which is something they really depend on, just their offensive rebounding rate and those second-chance opportunities for when their offense isn't performing as well. And then uh, LJ Cry, too, seems like he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Um, he was their leading scorer at the time he went down. And they don't seem to really have been impacted by that all too much, but just two solid pieces um, missing from any team is it makes me hesitant on them. We've seen some inconsistencies from them. Um, so I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you outright, I could. I would not be surprised at all if they're that your championship team. It's just also tough to repeat, and I just
2: think there are some mm-hmm. better options. Mm-hmm. Not Ooh, me okay, live nice. updating my bracket as Ryan talks. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, let me ask you this
0: because I remember it being a debate one time that I was listening to that because the Florida Gators did it in oh six and oh seven. I think they repeated. And somebody said, like, that's mm-hmm. the last time we're ever going to see anybody repeat, just with, like, the one-and-done era. You're not retaining guys. Like, it's just – it's not going to happen. Do you mm-hmm. think there is something to that, or is it just a, a stupid thing that the media has brought
1: up because it hasn't happened in 15 years? I think there's definitely something to that. I think the thing about Scott's Drew's, Scott Drew's team is that his system takes a lot of, like, just – the way he coaches, I think it takes a lot of time to actually fully like, embrace and get into, and his team last year was very, very experienced, and then he yeah. lost all of those pieces. So with the one-and-done era, mm-hmm. yes, I would say that, but honestly, we haven't even seen that many teams off the top of my head like with these prolific, like high-end caliber, like Zion Williamson-level uh, recruits, like make the championship in their first yeah. year. Zion lost in the lead eight to Michigan state. So mm-hmm. there might be something to said, you know, if you got a team full of juniors who are all like really, really talented, but not enough to take that next step to the NBA or want to develop a little bit more. I think you could see it happening. Um, Baylor is, you know, your prime target this year. Obviously they're probably one of the more better teams that have previously won a championship that have a chance to run it back. But I, I don't think it's likely as much
2: as it was in the early two thousands. Interesting. Okay. All right. next team on the list ryan coming -hmm. from the south region Mm -hmm. um the third seed in the south region kind of a hot pick i feel like right now i feel like they're gaining a lot of traction um that is the tennessee volunteers Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. had the number one strength of schedule in uh, all of college basketball played the toughest schedule um on a bit of a hot streak to end the season and what i really like about them ryan is that tennessee is an assist heavy offense um I I feel like that like in college it's so much harder for even like t- some of the top prospects we're going to see in this uh, upcoming draft it's it's sometimes it's just hard for one guy to take over a game and I like that Tennessee is an assist heavy offense because I watch a team in IU that is not great in the assist department and just generating yeah. easy buckets in college I think goes a long way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see, I like give you a nice A for that. That is. Uh... I, I like Let's that take a lot. I think it's a it's like, it's a really popular take because they've been hot so far and they kind of ran the SEC tournament with ease. But you have Arizona in that bracket, and everyone and their mother seems yeah. to be really in on the Wildcats team. But <laughs> uh, Tennessee's already beaten them this year, and they did beat them at home. They're undefeated in Tennessee, and that was something I was a little bit worried about was that their at home metric was like number one in the nation. Like their difference between home and away was like jarring. But then. Uh, we saw three neutral court games where they took over Kentucky. They handled Texas A&M, you know, basically from the start. So that kind of put my idea to best, or, you know, that worry t- to bed. Um, I agree. I really like that one. They are one of two na- teams in the nation that haven't lost to a team ranked 25th or worse in Ken Kenpom. Wow. Uh, every single oh, one wow. of their losses have been to a top 25 team. Uh, their defense is really good. They force turnovers. And I think uh, t- Kennedy Chandler has really come of age with his uh, point guard mm-hmm. play as long as he's he's healthy. So... Honestly, the only thing holding me back is Rick Barnes and his coaching ability. We haven't seen him have too much success in the tournament, but um, I, I do really like this team. I, I like that. So Yeah, I like Tennessee
2: a lot, too.
0: So, Ryan, let me say one thing, because I, I think this take gets kind of sad across multiple sports. The, 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 he doesn't get it done in the tournament. It
1: mm-hmm. only takes one. Yeah.
0: You do it once, and then you've done it. And obviously, when you're a guy like Tom Izzo, who's been coaching for 30 years, and you know you can say he's a plus. I just I, I do think that this Tennessee team has now been a pretty hot contention for a couple years now, and I don't know this is nearly as well as you. Have there collapses in the past come down to
1: coaching errors if you can recall off the top of your head or has it just been poor play um you know it's kind of tough to say that in the moment of like this was bad yeah. coaching or this was poor play but rick barnes has been coaching since 1997 and he's made two elite eights and one final four and that was with texas um with oh, tennessee we- he was a two seed made the sweet 16 in 2019 he was a three seed uh, didn't even make it past the second round in 2018 yeah and then uh, lost in round one last year as a five seed. So, yeah, it's a good All point right. about they don't make it until they do. But the thing is, is like I don't really expect, you know, 67-year-old Brick Barnes to make these necessary adjustments or, like, really mm-hmm. have coming-of-age strategies that I think some of the more younger, analytically-minded sound teams are having. So I it, – it's not like a – like, it's more of a, I'm trying to find something wrong with this team, that would be it, rather than a okay. like, jarring thing that makes mm-hmm. me avoid putting them deep in my tournament. All right. All
0: right I like that. And that's good, I didn't know that about Rick Barnes. So, yeah, maybe there is some mm-hmm. credence to, to that <laughs> 25 years, one Final Four. Eh, could be better. Yeah,
1: it's, like, not terrible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was he the coach of that Kevin Durant team?
1: Ooh. Was he? I think so.
0: Because, I mean, was that was <laughs> – I mean – You kind of got to fuck up coaching Kevin Durant.
1: No, Kevin Durant was not on that final.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: (coughs) Yeah, you do have to mess up. Yeah, yeah.
2: All right, Noah, give us uh, the the next one on the list, (laughs) though. My next team, also coming out of the South region. Uh, Just mentioned them, the number one seed Arizona Wildcats. Um, I like this team. I really like Benedict Matherin. Going to be a Mm -hmm. top going to be a top 10 pick in this upcoming draft i i'm a big fan of him um just from watching arizona it feels like every guy on that floor actually contributes um you know every guy out there can actually play uh unlike iu uh arizona also (laughs) number two in the nation and assists number 11 in rebounding and also number four in scoring in the nation uh this team this team seems dangerous to me ryan is is that a accurate assumption Yes, that is an accurate assumption. Um, in my, I, I wrote up a preview
1: for uh, all sixty-four teams. I just did a little summary on you know what you can expect given the tournament for betting pros. And, Where can we find that? Uh, on betting, so it wasn't like a posted knowledge thing. It was just like a bunch of uh, it was used for a bunch of other articles. So if you go to like you know top four sleeper contenders to make the final four, like all of the teams and stuff there, like that's what I wrote. Um, okay. Even though I wasn't given specific credit for it, but bettingpros.com articles you'll see my name on some of them ryan coleman so you can check that out but i got a lot more coming up with like you know potential ups ups picks and uh big pool brackets versus small pool brackets stuff like that but what i said in that was that i i say the word dynamic a lot when i describe offenses and i think arizona's offense is like the dynamic offense um they can beat you any which Mm -hmm. way on the court um they got shooters they got down low they got mid-range they got anything you want you know slice and dice it the only thing this is another thing where it's like, I'm trying to find something wrong with this team. The um, pretty big one is that Krisa, um their starting point guard is, he was in a walking boot and on crutches uh, after injuring himself in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so I don't think he's going to be back. And he's not like this, you know, really high usage, like big loss for this team. But anything that loses a starting uh, point guard, I think is mm-hmm. going to see the effects of it. And the thing is, it's like, you have to totally, not totally change your game plan, but you have to, you know, change how your offense works because of that. And uh-huh. I don't know if that short turnaround is going to impact them that much. And we've seen them kind of have duds. Um, they've had some really weird losses. They've only had three losses. One of them was to Colorado on the road by like 20. It was 20. It was like 10. But it's, um, I see them as the most likely one seed to make the Elite Eight. And then beyond that, once they face like really tougher competition, I think it'll be interesting. And I also wouldn't sleep on TCU. So I really like that. I give it like a B plus, A minus. Um, that's a very, very chalky popular pick. Gonzaga, Arizona, I think you're in number one and two perspective. <laughs> yeah. championship picks but i like i'm rooting for that this year just because arizona is so much fun to watch they were my preseason pick to win it Mm -hmm. all um and that'd be pretty cool just because they weren't even in the top 25 they have a really cool storyline just a lot of like wow uh first year coach european players so i'd really like it if they win let's
2: go that's awesome i like that uh next team on the list also coming from the south region uh wow number four team the number four team in the South, uh, this is a team that I actually quite enjoy watching. Um, got, I, got to watch IU play them, got to watch IU beat them. That is the Illinois, the Fighting Illini. Um, and I don't have as good reasons, Ryan, for the other teams as I do as Illinois. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, for me, it came down to Kofi Coburn and Curbelo. Um I think mm-hmm. those two are just two awesome players. I, I mean, Kofi Coburn is just a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams in the nation and to me, they just seemed like a pretty well rounded team like they're a pretty complete team around Carbello and Coburn
1: It's interesting interesting um you're picking Corbello there because he has missed some games, but he's come back. he's kind of erratic, but he is when he's performing at his peak, he's a pretty good player um i hmm that's that's okay. I would give it like a b it's i like <laughs> I like picking a four seed to win it all that's you know it's kind of different so I'll give you credit for that. And then uh, Evan Maya is another just analytical website. And what I like about their site is that they rank um, lineups, like starting lineups versus teams. So Illinois starting five is actually the fifth most efficient team in the nation. And, you know, when everyone's healthy, when everyone's on the court, they, we've seen them perform really well. Like their loss to Maryland, I think they're missing Curbello and Coburn. Um, maybe some of the, a couple other losses are close games too. And we've seen them fight up with Arizona. We've seen them play with the best to Purdue double overtime. So, I think they're the most well-rounded team. Um, if Iowa hasn't absolutely caught fire of late, I would say they're the most likely Big Ten team to win it all. Jordan um, Bohannon,
2: I hate that guy. Yeah, that guy but
1: sucks. oh, yeah. Do you guys have any connection with that or any feelings? No, we just really old... I don't like him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's older than Brandon like Ingram. Think about that.
2: Going for his is doctorate.
1: He ser- is he ser- Is that real? Oh my god! Yeah, that's real. That is one
2: hundred percent real.
1: <laughs> wow, that's. I, that's the first I'm hearing of it. That's insane. Um, their defense <laughs> is is thirtieth, but they've also faced one of some of the best offenses all season. Um, I don't mind that, but I just think that they have a really really tough path to get there. Um, like every like UAB the South Houston, is the South is a gauntlet. Yeah, South is a gauntlet. I think West is a gauntlet too. But don't sleep on Chattanooga. Don't sleep on Houston. Don't sleep on UAB. And then they'd still have to face Arizona again after losing to them. And then you know. Those are three really tough games just to start before even making the final
0: four. So Ryan let, let me add something here because I, I don't know why I've I've been feeling this way about U of I and I haven't been able to place how to describe it and I just it just clicked. this team kind of reminds me of the 2014 Yukon team that ended mm-hmm. up winning it all from the seventh seed. So they were two years removed from Kemba Walker, and that team was insane. I think they were a three-seed, but I remember them still being a really popular pick. I think that was one of the situations where they they had no business being a three-seed, and they ran away with it, and the worst college basketball game I've ever watched in UConn vs. Butler. But two years later, they came back with Shabazz Napier and was it Jeremy Lamb on that team?
1: Yes, Yes, that sounds right.
0: You know, it's a team that had had a lot of experience with the tournament, being good, in a well-run system, and then had taken a year off of trying to figure it out. And those guys weren't, like, crazy high draft prospects, but they were really well-seasoned veterans. And that's kind of what I'm feeling with this U of I team. You know, is Kofi Coburn a great NBA prospect? Not in the slightest. Is Trent Frazier? I don't think so. Is Curbel? I don't know. But they're definitely veteran dudes who've been here. They had that massive upset last year, and I think that there is something to the idea that that veteran presence is absolutely massive.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, Coburn's experience just already as a one seed last year and then falling early to Loyola Chicago I think might spark a fire into them. Um, I don't mind that take. I think that's a pretty good one just about experience always helps. Um you're never gonna be knocked for like tournament experience. It's always gonna be something just yeah. because this is a whole different, you know, ballpark. It's it everyone's got a clean slate. It's it's you know, one and done. You got that intensity, um, and they've been through it already. So I would definitely I think that's a good one. I think Yeah, that's I don't really have much else to say other than that's a good take. You know, give it a nice little golf clap for you on that take. Oh, fuck yeah.
0: Sick. I know who's your last contender?
2: Last contender, uh the team I am actually picking to win the tournament. I don't think it's going to come as much of a surprise. I think a lot of people are going to have this team, but it is Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Um and w- weirdly enough, I feel like people are still sleeping on Gonzaga. Um don't sleep on the Zags. I they're such a consistent team and honestly it comes down to Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren just being a nightmare matchup. A matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. Um I think Holmgren is going to have a coming out party in this tournament, and I think I think it's gonna. I think people are going to realize that this guy probably should be the number one draft pick. Um, I, I really do. I like this Gonzaga team a lot.
1: Yeah, that's you know I'll give you a nice A minus for that just because it's like obviously like if you didn't have Gonzaga yeah. on your contenders list, I would be yeah. questioning <laughs> you know if you've even like looked at or done any research. So that <laughs> absolutely makes sense. Um, the thing about Gonzaga is like it seems like the committee purposely put them just giving them the hardest possible way to reach the championship. Like, to start, like, Georgia State is a team that was not healthy at all throughout the whole season, and then since uh, February 1st, they rank higher than, like, Providence, uh, Michigan State, in, in uh, adjusted efficiency, and obviously, their strength schedule is way down, but they're a team that, like, forces turnovers, they'll be, you know, kind of scrappy, and it'll be an interesting game. I think they're going to cover Georgia, or, not Georgia, uh, Gonzaga is obviously going to win, but it's just an interesting, like, they should have been a 14 seed as a fully healthy team. I think they could get, even get an argument for a 13. So given a 16 seed, I think the committee didn't really do a good job there. And then Memphis, don't sleep on Memphis. Um, since Imani mm. Bates has been out, since, like, February 1st, too, they've been a top 10 team in the nation. Um, they've oh really rounded mm. in form. Uh, Jalen Duran has really been electric. And I kind of think that DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran that a front court of Memphis can can handle Holgram and Timmy in a way to kind of, you know, knock them off their ball. I think Holgrim is the crux of Gonzaga doing well or not. Uh, We've seen him struggle against Mm -hmm. a better competition before. That's more earlier in the year, though, like against Duke. So it'll be interesting to see if he's developed or if he's rounded into form. If it's a coming out party party for him, then, yeah, uh, you know, everyone should just lay the red carpet for Gonzaga to win the championship. But that is what my biggest question is. I really hope Memphis wins that first game against Boise State. That'll be a really good game. Uh, UConn and Arkansas, I tagged as, like, sleeper Final Four teams before the bracket was released. And then, like, Texas Tech I'm not even mentioning. And, like, so Duke and Alabama I'm down on based on their recent play. But they're mm-hmm. two of the three teams that already beat Gonzaga this year in the season, in their bracket. So, like, just reaching the Final Four, every which way I think is going to be really tough for the Zags. But they are, if any team's up for the challenge, it's definitely those Bulldogs.
2: Mm. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the I like Ch- I like Chet Homer in Todd. ton. Um, I'm hoping he does really well in this tournament. Um, All right, those are my top five contenders. Now we can get into my top five pretenders, uh, teams that I see (laughs) taking an early exit in this year's tournament. A bunch Uh, of bozos. Yes, this first team, I'm actually kind of hoping it's wrong because I really enjoy watching them. They're a very talented team, and that is Auburn. uh, Three and two against ranked teams this year. And to me, it seems like they tend to keep games close. Like, with the talent that Auburn has, I feel like they should be blowing more people out. But it kind of seems like sometimes, you know, they're just playing around with other teams. They Their games tend to be closer than I think they need to be. Um, you know, that team's awesome to watch, though. Like, Walker Kessler, Jabari Smith Jr. going to be a top three pick this year. Uh, Katie mm-hmm. Johnson, Wendell Green Jr. I like the team a lot, but I can see them taking an early exit in this tournament.
1: Yeah, see, I'd give you an A-plus for that. That's definitely the best take. Um, I agree with that aggressively. <clears throat> the the bottom half of that Midwest bracket is it's just gross like the fact that one mm-hmm. of those teams has to make the Elite Eight is going to be really that's going to make me lose sleep the night before the bracket is released um, <laughs> if you told me that a two seed loses in the first round Auburn I would put my house on um, they are a team that actually like Jacksonville State against them lines up really well um, they shoot a lot of threes they do it at a really high percentage clip jacksonville state and auburn that's kind of where they allow most of their shots and then the other side of the ball jacksonville's um, biggest issue is just allowing the three ball but auburn doesn't shoot at all and then if you allow them to wendell green and katie johnson are just gonna you know go guns a blazing and they are not really great shooters and we've seen them go cold so auburn has almost lost to teams worse than jacksonville state Um, if you remember georgia when they barely barely Mm -hmm. beat them on that last second layup so i absolutely agree with that um I don't really, like, it just seems that they got the yips. They got something. Like, based on how this team has looked in the middle of the year, based on the talent they have, they should be uh, just better. But they aren't. And I don't know, like, Bruce Pearl's facilitation of, like, who gets the ball late, like, who takes over isn't the best. Um, definitely take Jacksonville State to cover the spread. I've seen them at 17. I think that they might be down to like 15 and a half, but even down to like 14 13 and a half, I'd still take uh JVL State in that first game and I absolutely agree with that. I just I can't see this Auburn team winning six games and and taking down the championship.
2: I'm betting that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone listening, bet that right now Ryan will Venmo you if it loses. Don't worry. Oh, I, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Wh- what's your Venmo? Say that. Also, what's your
2: what's your routing number on your what's bank your, account uh, social again? Social security number? Yeah. yeah what is that? Just, yeah. Uh, what is your mother's maiden name? <laughs> what was the first dog you had growing up? In childhood? <laughs> Who's your childhood best friend? What's their social security number while we're at it? <laughs> Um all right next team on the pretenders list I have the Wisconsin Badgers. Um this is a team that I've seen a decent amount of just because they play in the Big 10 but to me they have absolutely no big man play at all. Um in a tournament where I think they're going to have to see some good uh front courts and also they just live and die by Johnny Davis and I am not high on Johnny Davis. I think he's a good player but um, you know, in many, in many mock drafts, they haven't gone top eight, top seven. And I think Johnny Davis has NBA bus written all over him. Uh, but just speaking to college, you know, he can ball in college, but they live and die by him. If he has a bad game, they're not going to win.
1: Wait, real quick. How do you think Johnny Davis is good or you don't think he's good?
2: I don't. Th- I think he's a good college player. He won't be a good NBA player.
1: Isn't he projected to go like top five right now
2: or in that area? He, he'll go he's like top, top five.
1: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I agree with you on Wisconsin being a pretender. I don't necessarily agree with you on the Johnny Davis take, but yes, uh, Wisconsin has had a pretty magical season a la Providence. They rank pretty highly in the luck metric. Um, I think they might disappoint some of our friends over on the other podcast there, but no. yeah, I agree with that. It's kind of Johnny Davis robust a little bit. And the thing is, it's like, we're not even a hundred percent sure that he is full go, uh, really healthy. Um, but if he is, then I'd give you like a B for that, just because this is probably the best spot for Wisconsin to be in just to make a run. Um, they play really consistently. They never beat themselves. They take care of the ball. Um, and they've had their fair share of late games. They've had a lot of experience on their teams that has been in the situation before. So I think Colgate is, should be a really good game. Um, LSU and Iowa State offer really, really electric defenses that'll be tough to break, but also those two, teams have kind of fallen off a cliff. For the second half of the year, um, so Wisconsin's path theoretically to the Final Four is one of the easiest, but I agree with you about I don't think they have the
2: firepower power to make it all the way. Let's go. Um, keeping it in the Big Ten, I got the Purdue Boilermakers on here. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, a little no, bit salty. Oh my God, they're. Um, I I do think Purdue are pretenders. Um, I honestly think over their last seven, eight, nine games, they've looked not great they've actually looked pretty poor I think and they have an explosive offense but they've just been off their game as of late like and you don't want to be not playing your best ball going into this tournament um I think Jaden Ivey's awesome I think he's going to look fantastic in a Pacers uniform but um <laughs> I, I think this Purdue team has taken an early exit
1: yeah I agree with you there um I'd give that a minus b plus just because I don't I I just I don't get the hype around the CM. Obviously, they're a lot of fun offensively, but they just don't even show up to the game defensively, and for that, that that has never made up a good tournament, uh, you know, recipe for success. They rank in the bottom one hundred in defense. Actually, they rank at a hundred in defensive efficiency, Ooh. and they've had games where they've just completely collapsed. Um, so, I agree with that there. It's kind of hard to put a, a string of six really prolific offensive games together. It's much easier to do that defensively, but I don't think Jaden Ivy Like, Jaden Ivy is really talented. I agree with you on there. I don't think he's talented enough, enough to uh, bring this team all the way to the championship.
2: Yeah. Let's I'll go. Uh, last two teams here. I have the Duke Blue Devils on here. Um I think UNC kind of exposed Duke when they played them. I think Duke's kind of been overhyped the entire year. Um, I also think the ACC was not very good this year. And, you know, Duke has all the talent in the world. Uh, Wendell Moore, I think is his name, Paolo, A.J. Griffin. They're all awesome players. Like, they certainly have the talent to win this tournament. uh, But I I think they're taking an early exit.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Coach K just kind of seems so done, too. I don't know. That guy. He he
2: checked out like three months ago.
1: It seems like it almost. Quiet. Quiet. Please. Quiet down. It's just like everything he says. He kind of looks like old and just like every th- every comment <laughs> he he's made, he's like, yeah, says you know. he just looks old <laughs> <laughs> like in post game in post game pressers he'll they'll say things like you know how are you feeling about you know wrapping up or leaving he's like i'm very mentally prepared to leave like you know we'll finish out the season strong but after that i'm so done like he i just, just think it's kind of hit him after <laughs> coaching for 3000 years which makes sense i can't imagine doing anything for that long um yeah, I like Duke as an early exit, and the thing that's combined with that is I really like this Davidson team. Um, any team that can shoot a really, really efficient clip from beyond the arc has been good for Cinderella runs. I think this Davidson team is similar to the 08 Davidson team, which had one Stephen Curry on it, and they have like better shooters, you know, in college. In college, uh, they have more shooters too, <laughs> and like a more dynamic um, options. So I really like Davidson. I think honestly, whoever wins that first game is probably going to take down Duke. Um, just because Duke really just doesn't seem to be in it, um, I agree with that there. And they're in okay. really difficult. Okay. Like, can I? I've heard you say this
0: take now twice. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that there's a college basketball team with better shooting than Steph Curry had.
1: That's in that's Steph tough Curry's
0: for me to
1: to swallow. Mm-hmm. In Steph Curry's college season, he shot. Uh, just shy of 44% from beyond the arc. Um, That was 76th best in the nation. So comparatively, the Davidson team this year has a player shooting at 44%, which is 35th best, best, and then 43%, which is 60th best. So they have two players that are doing better than the rest of the field than Steph is, and they have another player shooting 40% and another player who shoots just shy of 38%, whereas Steph was the only really... um, Baller at shooting the three ball on that past Davidson team, besides one other guy. Okay. So I'm just talking, you know, team like shooting wise. percentage. Yeah, team wise, like okay. kind of low key set up better. I don't think any player is as good as Steph, just around, you know, yeah. not saying, but Cause Foster, Steph was also. Lee, Michael Jones is yeah. a really big, you know, one, two, three punch that is going to be really, really difficult to game plan against. All right, because it just saying, like, Steph was taking 10 threes a game
0: in college and shooting 42%. The, are that's you pretty asking weird. that
1: or are you stating that? No, I'm stating that. <laughs> okay, yes, <laughs> that Steph shot fact. a lot. Well, Steph was the only person taking the shots. Davidson, you know, passes the rock a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. You know?
2: All right, all right, all
0: that's right. Fair. That's fair, that's
1: fair.
2: Good point. No, do you have one more pretender? I do have one more. I'm not really bought in on them as being a pretender, but I did need another team to round out the list, Uh, and that is the (laughs) Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, Their offense has kind of died, Ryan, ever since they beat Baylor back in February, uh, like middle of February. They've only hit 70 points uh, twice since that game, uh, whereas prior they were hitting 70 pretty consistently, and um, they've just been pretty inconsistent. Uh, you know, I don't really have any more reasons than that. Ryan, if you have one more pretender that you would like to add to the list, I would certainly take it. Yeah, I
1: uh, I don't know. Jury's kind of still out right now in Texas Tech. Um, I, like, agree with you on the pretenders. I think you can kind of, this is a team where you can look at their numbers and you can kind of write whatever narrative you feel like writing. Um, the first one is that back in 2019, this team had a very simical, similar uh, makeup and identity, and they made it to the championship game and lost to Virginia in overtime. Um, The thing against them is their offense, which is like you just mentioned, they've kind of seemed to have stalled here late, and uh, they've had had some injuries, um, but I think Kevin McCullough should be good now. Um, Against that idea is that they face the 11th most difficult defense, just strength of schedule in the nation, and that their defense, which is ranked number one in the nation, can kind of put any team off their game and even allow their 65th ranked offense to uh, show up and what I do like about T- Texas Tech is that they're not the most efficient team but they capitalize on second chance looks they offensive rebound well, um, they get to the free throw line at a high clip so they find other ways to score rather than just pure, you know, shooting um, so I don't know, I'd give you like a B- minus on that but my biggest thing is that I just I, like, if you just had the West Conference as like the Sweet 16 out, I think it would be one of the best tournaments just in the nation but it's such a – there's so many good games. I love, like, every game there. Um, they'll just have a really tough path of, of making the Final Four.
2: Awesome. And there are my pretenders and contenders. Colin, how would you like that? You like me talking yeah. like I know college ball?
0: Yeah. You know what? You almost had me fooled. No, you almost did. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to do something this little impromptu, and I, I think we maybe did this last year, but I just – It's important for me while we do this, just with uh, filling out the brackets, if you're at home, if you want to become a little channel yearner, Ryan Coleman for the week and try to make your own bracket, Ryan, just off the top of your head, could you explain some metrics that you really like to look at it when it comes to predicting the tournament, college basketball, and obviously, you know, I minored in stats, so, you know, I, I get how statistics work. (laughs) <laughs> you know, stats are not the end-all be-all. You know, if they were, then sports would be pretty stupid because we'd just be able to tell you exactly what happens. But with that said, some stats matter way more than others do. What do you look at? If, if, let's, let's do it this way. If I give you a matchup and I said, Ryan, you've got two minutes to give me your absolute lock, what are you going to look at metrics-wise, stats-wise, advanced stats-wise?
1: Okay, so putting me on two minutes, I don't know about that. Okay, but you have give you five minutes. Longer of an action. Yeah, so I'll give you uh, three really quick um, free options to look at. Um, Ken Palm's main page is just a way to look at things. I think every year since Ken Palm has existed, the champion has ended up being top 20 in offense and defensive efficiency, except last year I don't think Baylor got up to top 20 in offense and then UConn back in uh, 2014 was not that, but that's mm-hmm. just a really easy go-to of like, is this team top 20 in offense and defense? Cool. I feel good about them making the tournament if you're or just like doing well in the bracket. So that's an easy yeah. just go-to if you're looking for a quick fix. Um, something I look at is not momentum necessarily, but more so recent play. And momentum, I think, is more so like the last three to five games. Um, for me, that's just too small of a sample size to really like trust that. Um, you can have a team that has done really well in the last, like, three games just totally falter. Um, for me, it's more recent play, which is, like, at least 10 games. So what I've been looking at is how teams have been playing since February 1st. Um, I think that's just a good, like, how they finished off the year, how they played the last 10 games, conference tournaments, you know. Um, and the team that sticks out to me right now is Iowa. They are number two in the nation since February 1st. Um, and, like, on other pages, they're top 10, just straight up. So I really like them t- that team. Um, but... Sticking with other things I look at, I basically try to find what a team does well and how much they depend on doing well. Oh, mm-hmm. There's my water bottle. Um, Calm down. And how much they they depend on that. So the game plan uh, tab on Kenpom, if you have a subscription, I definitely recommend doing that. You can kind of sort um, games by their like Duke's two point percentage shooting in every single game they played. Their uh, offensive rebound percentage. percentage and everything like that. And you can also sort it by their forced turnover rate in a game. And if you sort it by that, you can see that every single game that they didn't force a turnover percentage lower than 8%. So basically teams kept the ball all well, all season they lost that there's four games four of their six games. Um, all those losses. So there's just like some correlations you can find, and then based on that, I can go and look at their opponent and see like, oh, this team takes care of the ball like really, really well. I think they might struggle, or I think this team doesn't take care of the ball well, mm-hmm. so they might be fine. Davidson is a team that takes care of the ball really well and can shoot well, so that's why I like it. Um, and then there's some teams that do that way more than others. Like Colgate is a team that. Uh, depends on the three ball a lot. Not only do they shoot it well, but 40% of their points, mm-hmm. nearly 39 comes from beyond the arc. That's 21st highest in the nation. So obviously if they're not shooting well from beyond the arc, they're probably going to struggle finding ways to score. So the first thing I'd look against Wisconsin is what is their three point defense? Like how is their shot selection set up to to play against that? Um, so basically like finding what a team does well, finding how much they depend on doing well with that, and then looking mm-hmm. at the matchup to see if their opponent can uh, combat that and then doing it, you know, the, vice versa as well with their opponent. Boom. I like that.
0: Mm. All right. Well, now my bracket's gonna be better than yours, idiot. I tricked you. Probably. That's the <laughs> thing that's happened so often
1: is I've given all this advice to people and then like sometimes I won't follow it myself and then I'll just have a really crappy bracket and everyone will be like, oh thanks, man. Like I did great." And they've never even like they don't even know what college basketball is. <laughs> no. Uh, one of my favorite reoccurring
0: bits is. Ryan and I, I, we've been in, like, the same bracket group for, like, a decade now. And since, like, senior year of high school, I think I've finished top two in, like, all of our brackets. Maybe that's – there was one year it was, like, a different group that I won. But I've made money on college basketball brackets for four out of the last five years. And uh, that's much better than Ryan does. Let's just (laughs) – let me put it there. (laughs) that may have been an exaggeration yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit mean way to put it
1: but no it's it's i don't know about every year but that's that's pretty accurate i remember that is how our group started like that is how the tech chain started was, yeah. was like we left you out cuz we were we were like you don't care about college basketball like this is all we talk about and you're like oh i kind of want to be included and then we we added you and it's been History sense, and you've just been running the table in the practice groups. It's like, man, like how does he keep doing it? What the hell? But it is pretty consistent, like year over year. Yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating, but yeah, I I do remember madness. I remember one year telling you guys
0: that you were too focused on the stats or whatever that you watched too much college basketball so you couldn't actually be good at the bracket. And I remember I remember Zach like not thoroughly enjoying that comment. What? I don't think he was like actually no. too mad. And then and then I, I think I did end up – that was, like, the one year I just totally tanked. And I was like, oh, mm. all right, well, maybe I deserve that one.
1: Happens to the best of us.
0: <laughs> oh. All right. So what you're saying, though, to, to sum it all up is that you follow that advice, put your house on it, there's no way you lose money.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's only <laughs> okay, one good. factor that comes with college basketball. Um, and that's the thing is, like, there's a million different, like – variables when it comes to games and you can pick your poison with what you value and what you don't and whatever it is, it, it'll be right. Basically, you know, you might not be right yeah. with the game, but like the way you can view it is correct. And then one more uh, website I want to give a shout out to is Um I think mm-hmm. what they do really cool is you can like look at, you, you can basically pick a team and then see how they'd match up a bit against any of the other 300 plus teams in the nation. So like right now, what I'm doing is looking at how St. Mary's line would line up, potentially, theoretically, with uh, Indiana and, like, what the, that game might look like, you can kind of see how they match up, a mm-hmm. score prediction, basically everything involved. So I'd recommend checking out Kenpom homepage. I, it's, you don't have to pay that. Bart Torvik, you can do it based on recency, and, you know, longevity. You can you kind of mess around with that. Bart Torvik has a lot of fun stuff. And then Metrics, you can look at theoretical matchups. As you're going down your line, filling out your backup, you can, you know, fill out a potential, like, oh, what's the Final Four matchup going to look like if this is how it seems? So that's what I recommend checking out.
0: No, you see what he did there? That was a pro-podcasting
2: move.
0: <laughs> he, that was, oh, wow. We got, we got to take take notes, Noah. That was a fantastic transition, Ryan, because we are now, you know, we've given you the spotlight, let you talk about all the college basketball you want for 45 minutes. <laughs> now, oh, this is why we brought you on. Tell us why Indiana is going to win the tournament.
2: Do <laughs> <laughs> um- Do it. Uh, and you have five minutes to create the best <laughs> stats you
1: can. If you are making me tell you why Indiana wins this tournament, um, the first thing right, I hun, point to let's is right. that
0: Let, let's 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 back it up a little bit. Okay, so okay. so Noah and I, um, and I, I think we're we're pretty open about this. Consume college basketball through Indiana. You know, I don't I don't think I missed too many Indiana games this year, but I don't know if I caught nearly as many games that didn't have Indiana playing in it. And Noah and I uh, joined Indiana as students back in the uh, year 2016 under the understanding that Indiana was a basketball powerhouse, a, a blue blood, if you will. <laughs> and since then, we're on our third coach. We have not made the NCAA tournament. And if you asked us a week ago, we still didn't think that was going to happen. We thought we had another year, or maybe a couple. Miraculous comeback against Michigan. Great game against, Indiana, or against U of I. Neither team wanted to win down the stretch. We just uh, wanted to win it more than U of I wanted to not win it. Um, and now we're here. So we're just absolutely thrilled to be
1: here, you know? <laughs> Is, is that fair, Noah? That is fair. Yeah. Uh, you went through the roller coaster, Colin. You were all in on this Indiana team half of the year, and then you were a Kansas <laughs> fan for a little bit. I still want to stop. And then you thought that they should have gotten, like, a six seed, and now they're champions, and then they've been underrated. <laughs> so it's been a, a hoot following your fandom all throughout. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I said six seed, but I did say that no, if we won the oh, tournament. I know, I know. We we yeah. might deserve a six seed,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which clearly was not the case because Iowa ended up at fifth, which is bullshit. But all right, so this Indiana Wyoming, actually, actually tell us why it's bullshit that Michigan, or maybe not bullshit in your opinion, that Michigan was seated higher. You think- if, as objective as you can. Noah and I are are having some fun with this, <laughs> but. Seriously, why? Because I think maybe and I'm on Indiana Twitter, but I think there was a perception of hey, this Michigan team was 17 and 14. You know, they they had a hard schedule, but they haven't really played well all year. They just got bounced in the tournament after an epic collapse. Why are they a buy, let alone in the tournament?
1: So no, I agree with you. There's definitely bias that exists with y'all with Indiana, but like here I am, you are hitting the nail on the head. Um, Michigan. I I have a theory that is seems to be pretty strongly supported just without the bracket is that if you changed the names, uh, like I was talking to my, Six men mm-hmm. college basketball podcast with Zach. Like if you changed the names of every single one of these teams, but kept their you know season exactly the same. So like if you switched the the resumes of Indiana and and Michigan, you know switched jerseys, mm-hmm. I still think that Indiana would be the playing game. Like the fact that Michigan was sixth, I think preseason. Yeah, um, the fact that they've like that. Like, had this reputation of, like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're, they're a championship caliber team. They just got to find their their groove. They've had positive talks around them the whole entire year, whereas Indiana's kind of had to fight for it. I think that really helps them. And I think, you know, Indiana's historically been a blue blood, maybe not the last couple of years, but Michigan mm-hmm. was a one seed last year. They've returned a lot of their players. They had this hype coming into the season. And I still think confirmation bias is prevalent here with the committee. And then also just favoring the blue bloods, favoring the uh, the teams, because Duke is a team that should not have been a two-seed. Um, they should have been a three. I think Tennessee should have been in over them. Villanova was even, like, questionable to be a two versus a three. I think they got the favor of the doubt just being a two. And then North mm-hmm. Carolina, I thought was going to be, like, a 10 or 11, and then they were given an eight. Um, and I don't even think they're – like, I really am down on North Carolina this year, but I just think that if any if either team is going to get the benefit of the doubt, I think it's Michigan over Indiana. There might also have been some weird rules with, like you, – you couldn't have had three Big Ten teams in the playing game just because – uh, you know, you can't match up in the first yeah. round. If I've already played them. Um, and I don't, I was going to say, like, oh, maybe Michigan has already also played, like, St. Mary's or UCLA or, like, North Carolina. So they can't, like, you know, potentially Play face them. So they had to, yeah. they had to change seating with that. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't really know. I don't know what's up. I don't know. Uh, strength of schedule is definitely my number one target uh, pin. Like, they really, really value strength of schedule. But then other mm-hmm. than that, I think it's just kind of like, uh, the, the committee isn't always doesn't always seem to be in line with how like passionate college basketball players think I th- or fans follow. Mm-hmm. I think there should be a bit more objective process rather than like team you know athletic directors or like conference athletic directors um, you know ranking the bracket. Yeah,
0: I uh, I can get behind that. I don't necessarily believe that because do we even know who the the committee is? Isn't it like secret how they do this? Like we have no idea. Each year who's even in there, who how they make it. Like there's not like this is our formula, this is what you have to do. We put it in the computer, it spits it out. It's just like ten dudes in a room being like, Hoo hoo, Michigan and somebody's like, oh, I don't think so and then another guy's like, Oh, I think so though, and then Michigan's in.
1: It's not that <laughs> it's a bit more complicated than that. Um it's not like secret, no. you know, like CIA the kind of thing. It's just more so like they evade every question asked of them when they're like, why did you rank this team higher? And they're like, oh, you know, we go through the process. And in the end, like, this is just how it is. Like, they never give a concrete answer. Um, the thing is, it's like you have people who have varying degrees of, of like measuring a team. Like, you can measure a team based on anything strength of schedule, uh, analytical metrics, yeah. results based metrics. And we saw that in the bracket reveal was that. Uh, Houston was left out, even though they were like a fifth-rated team on Ken Palm. They were, you know, top five across the board. They weren't even in the top 16. Um, And that was because they had a real lack of quad one wins. And we see them as a five seed now, even though they're ranked fifth in some analytical metrics. And then Providence was, I think, a three seed there, even though the resume, like that's the thing. If you switch Providence's and Villanova's resume when Providence is what, like 26 and two? I don't know. It was something they only had two losses and they're riding hot. Like Villanova would have been like the number one overall seed. Um, But Providence was really down on analytical metrics, even though they had like 100 quad one wins. So it was this weird, like, well, which one are you valuing? Which one are you judging? And in the end, I I think it's 14. It's between 10 and 14 members. Like, I'm sure every single one of them has their own different preferences, and it's just an average of that. Um, But it seems to value quad one wins, strength of schedule over like what Ken Palm says. Interesting.
0: Okay. All right, I, I can stomach that then. I like that you agree that Michigan should not be anywhere near the tournament. They should have been a two-seed in the NIT. I'm <laughs> going to quote you on that. We'll put that quote card out on Instagram. Uh, so then let's, let's talk about this Indiana-Wyoming matchup in the play-in game. Hmm. Wyoming's an interesting team. The Mountain West, I actually have been doing a bit of research because I'm curious myself how we're going to stack up. Was pretty competitive for a non power six. How do we yes. is, is the big east like they say power five? The big east is not the power five, but the big east basketball should absolutely be considered top notch. What, what do we,
1: yeah, what do, we, how do I, we refer to that? Like power five consensus in college sports, but in college basketball, everyone usually just says power six because big east is definitely part of that. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you're, you're right there. The mountain west had two ranked teams at the end of the year in Boise State and Colorado State. It's not yeah. as though this is just some random conference with no competition. And so Wyoming squeaks in as the uh the last seed there. They went twenty five and eight on the year. Pretty competitive team, and I, I think they have some nice advanced analytics. Uh and they but but no Noah and Ryan, pretty much all of their losses on the year came within the last month. They're not exactly riding
2: hot.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. no do you have do you have do you want to start with your thoughts
2: no go ahead ryan
1: okay um yeah that's a fair point um about the mountain west like it was arguably better than the acc and the pac-12 this year like wyoming had a higher strength of schedule than some of those acc and pac-12 teams that made the tournament wow um, just because of the mountain west conference being what it is Uh, the mountain west conference was a lot of fun to watch it was mostly late games and like teams that didn't have this higher reputation but um, yeah, I do agree that it was pretty good. Um, better than people give credit for. And if I'm doing that February 1st uh, timeline and how well they've been, they've gone eight and five, they're 74th ranked of efficiency. So you are a bit right there that they've kind of seemed to have faltered to end the season. Um, Graham Ike and Hunter Malinato make up their one-two punch. Uh, they really like to go down low to EK. He's a very, very high usage guy. And they, like, sometimes I say, uh, home-versus-away metrics. is like, oh, it's like all of these games were road losses against top-tier teams, but mm-hmm. they lost to New Mexico. Um, they got kind of crushed by them. A nine-point game against a sub-100 team is, is not great. And then they lost at home by by fair margin to a really good defensive-minded team in San Diego State, and then also UNLV. So some of those losses are kind of sus and make a question. Um, there's a reason they went from being like an 8-9 seed to uh, last four-team in mm-hmm. in the last month of regular season. So... Yeah, it makes sense. Um they're not playing their best ball right now, but I I I that's one of the, you know, that's, that's a thought pro- point, but it's not I don't take momentum and recent play like too big into heart, but I do value it a little bit and here it's a knock on Wyoming for that.
0: Okay. All right, I like that. That's enough Wyoming talk. How do you Ryan view this Indiana team? Cuz like you said a week ago, I didn't think we were making the tournament. I thought we had too many issues. Uh, you know, I know defensively we've been very solid all year, but just offensively, at times we cannot get a bucket to save our lives. You know, to know what Noah said earlier about Tennessee, Indiana does not generate easy buckets for long periods of the game. You know, we've actually we've seen Trace Jackson Davis be able to do that recently, which I think is where a lot of my confidence comes from. I mean, him and Keegan Murray went at it in that semi-final game. I think Keegan had 33, TJD had 31. I mean, just an absolute monstrosity of games from both those guys. Could a guy like Trace Jackson Davis carry a team? Do you have faith in him? This is, I have all these questions. Why don't we just start with where do you view this Indiana team?
1: I think my number one thing with Indiana is their ability to play 40 minutes of basketball. Yep. and. In that, what was it, six-game stretch where they lost um, a lot of games. I think it started yeah. against Illinois, if I was not mistaken, in early mm-hmm. February. And that game was, like, tied with 10 minutes to go in, in the second half. And then Illinois won on a 26-11 to 11 run to, to round it out. And we've just seen that time and time again with Indiana just faltering late, just not being able to put up points. When they lost to Michigan State, Michigan State won a 22-12 to 12 run to finish out the, the second half of the game. And then Wisconsin as well won on a run to beat them. Uh, in Mm -hmm. Assembly Hall back in February as well. If you guys forgot, sorry to just kind of remind you of that. Put salt in the wound. But, hey, they're here. Um, But the thing is, like, we saw that fight in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, they're down by 100 to Michigan. They're down 60 to 43 against Michigan, and they found a way to come back and win, and that was a big surprise to me. So seeing that, I think, is really promising. And the fact that, uh, like, if Iowa doesn't go nuclear and go on that crazy... 19 to 4 run um yeah. to round out that game in the like we might be talking about Indiana as this, like hottest team in the nation um and that to me was more just showing of what I was capable of um you know you hit a bank shot near yeah. buzzer beater three like that's that's kind of lucky and it kind of sucks but that was less <laughs> of Indiana falling apart and more just like Iowa really stepping up their game and you know doing Iowa things so that was what was promising to me um if they're able to play a full 40 minutes against every uh, everybody they face i think they have a chance honestly St. Mary's might be their biggest roadblock to uh, reach in a Final Four. I know that might be a hot mm. take, um, but I am more scared of St. Mary's than I would be of Baylor for, for Indiana. Mm. That, well, maybe not Maybe not that aggressive, <laughs> but yeah, maybe not that big. But I think St. Mary's uh, low-key kind of lines up pretty well against Wyoming and Indiana. All right, so elaborate on that.
0: What do you like about St. Mary's versus what Indiana has to offer?
1: Uh, so the thing about St. Mary's is that they faced Gonzaga three times. Uh, let me start with that. And yeah. Gonzaga has two of the best big men in the country. And I think that is a really good way to prepare for Indiana um, because I don't think TJD well, is Well, we have Miller us. Cop. <laughs> oh, good point, good point. I did forget about Miller Cop, yeah. Well, you know, well not, not that you say that. My, my Northwestern transfer <laughs> left us. Yeah. Um, I like St. Mary's for that reason. I like St. Mary's because they've been in a conference that has also been underrated, like the Mountain West. Uh, the West Coast is usually like one, two team bid league, but this year they got three in, and they've had some pretty good teams. BYU just, just like the definition of a collapse is BYU. They really just fell off the cliff to end the season. Um, they were riding hot as like a ten seed in early February, and then just don't even exist anymore. So. That, I like St. Mary's because of the preparedness that I think they set up. Um, they defend inside really well. They don't allow second-chance opportunities at a really high rate. They have the fifth-highest mm-hmm. near-proximity percentage defense in the nation. So not only is their two-point percentage defense well, but where Indiana prefers to take a lot of their shots down low, um, it's not looking too hot for those hoosiers um hassle like i mentioned does mm. shot breakdown so they expect indiana to take 38 percent of their shots uh, near proximity twos that's four percent higher than the d1 average um and i think st mary's will be able to stop them down low and uh kind of kind of control the game near the hoop yikes is is mm. my is my thought that's your thought i do think mm. there, i think they'll beat wyoming you can get a tournament win you know, you got that okay. to look forward to. Also, <laughs> right. St. Mary's, St. Mary's still has to, uh, you know, show up.
0: That's um, true. That is true. They mm-hmm. do have to play the game. So, <laughs> all right. I like that. Noah, what's I your have reaction? A question,
2: Ryan. Is, mm-hmm. is Trace Jackson Davis the best player on any double-digit seeded team, Ryan?
1: Ooh. Ooh. That's a tough question. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um... think Davidson's got some guys but that's more so just like they can go 9 of 11 from three and then be tagged as like this is the greatest player of all time um double digit seeds, best players that's the question I think Zach would (laughs) would have a really good answer to um because can I expand upon that Ryan I like Malachi Smith on Chattanooga is pretty good but I don't know yeah go ahead
2: so Dan Katz did rank his uh, top players on double-digit seeds. Oh. He had Trace Jackson yeah. Davis at one. We had Dan he had Katz Hunter Dickinson. Like, Big Cat? Not Dan, not Dan Katz, sorry. I don't know why I so said Dan Katz. Um, like he, he had, had Trace Dave Jackson Katz. Davis. <laughs> he had Trace Jackson Davis, number one. He had Hunter Dickinson at number two, and he had Ron Harper Jr. at number three.
1: Okay, I think that's that's pretty good. I was looking more at the mid-major teams. I don't know why I was so focused. Yeah, like Michigan and Rutgers, I didn't even consider, but... Um yeah, Michigan's got some guys, Ron Harper I think is a good option. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's accurate. South Dakota State ha- has a lot of, you know, talented guys, but I can't really tell
2: you that they're better than the three you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, I will take a win over Wyoming tomorrow. That will yeah. be a major moral dub. Uh
1: after what say, happens after that, mm-hmm. I do
2: not care. <laughs> like
1: it sucks to be in the playing game, but we've seen evidence of that helping teams. Um, last year, UCLA won in overtime against Michigan State. They almost fell in that 1st playing game, and then they made the Final Four. So it allows teams to kind of, you know, get their feet wet in the tournament, you know, get rid of those nerves, shake it off, and then come in prepared. And, like, St. Mary's, you know, gets a, like, hypothetical first-round buy against a team facing the playing game. But also, they still only have two days to prepare. It's still just as short as IU, so, or whoever wins. But it might help to get some momentum, you know, understand the the idea of neutral court games with teams you haven't really played before, you know, their preparedness. So once you get that first win, it might allow them to kind of come in guns a blazing against St. Mary's if you're looking for some silver lining. That's a good
0: silver lining. I like silver mm -hmm. and linings. No, Alexa, don't turn on. God damn it. I don't even know why that triggered Alexa. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Um, All right, Ryan, let's end with this your favorite Cinderella teams in the tournament.
1: Uh what do you consider Cinderella? Uh I'm gonna say eight plus. So is that six plus? Mm, I, if you're I see Cinderella as like, you know, double digit mid major seeds, but like I, I'll I'll go with that. Um I'll go wait, eight plus. Cool. Eight plus. Eight plus okay. Uh ooh, that's tough. Um <laughs> Or however you want. Just go down to the I'll just I'll just tell you how I'm feeling about this. So Davidson is a team in my impulse that I've had to elite eight. I think they Michigan State is honestly the game I'm like most concerned about. Uh, I think Duke, that'll be a really good game. I think that their ability to get off a shot every single possession is going to kind of cu- trouble Duke. I think three-point shooting, um, kind of like VaTech did in that ACC championship game, will put Duke to sleep. And then against Texas Tech is my theoretical uh, Sweet 16 matchup. Texas Tech has some pack line defense. They, have, they allow teams to shoot the farthest away from the basket, like the proximity metric and where teams shoot on the floor uh, no one shoots near the rim against Texas Tech, which is exactly where Davidson pursues to shoot the Rock. So they'll be able to get a lot of open looks from beyond the arc, which is where they prefer. So I like Davidson um, just to kind of make another mm-hmm. maybe Elite 8 run. I could definitely see that happening. Out of that same conference, like, I, I like Memphis. I like Memphis a little bit too much because if they were in any other bracket, if they were facing any other wet seed, I'd probably have them uh, beat. That number one seed. Um, I mentioned February 1st. That's my go-to. They are the sixth-ranked team in the nation since February 1st. Since they've they've had um, COVID issues, they've had injuries issued, they've had some drama with the team. And since they've gotten past that, they've been an electric team. They've handled Houston two out of their three games they faced. Um, they haven't had the biggest strength of schedule, but they got some guys to match up well with Gonzaga. And if they can take down Gonzaga, they can take down anyone. Um, but uh, that's tough. Honestly, like, Boise might beat them. I don't know. That's going to be – that's my favorite game of the, the – tournament is or the first round at least is Boise Memphis I think right now other I than that it. um San Francisco shouldn't be slept on but I'm not crazy about them um I would say South Dakota State if they didn't have to face Iowa in the first round just because Iowa is on fuego right now and then beyond that like any team out of that bottom metric of Midwest teams like Colgate could kind of go off um I just I don't trust any of those teams to win so whatever happens I can definitely see as like uh, reasonable, but. Um, Vermont, Arkansas is one of my most upsetting first round matchups because I'd probably have Vermont in my Sweet 16 if they were facing any other team in the first round besides Arkansas. But I mentioned the uh, the website that ranks lineups instead of teams, mm-hmm. and Vermont is their starting five is the third most efficient uh, team in the nation with adjusted efficiency. Wait, so they are, yeah, they they've got some guys and like that spread. Like I've seen. The, some websites like predicting Vermont to win, just like purely based on their stats this season, not like people like saying it, but like yeah. uh, having it as it's what is it like a four point spread right now? So yeah, that'll be a really good game. Um, but I also really like Arkansas, so I don't really know where I'm going there. But yeah, I don't know if all right, your question. And then last last question: Who's your Natty champ? We I mean we gotta end there. Who you taking? Mm-hmm. Who do you like? Yeah. So right now my final four is Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, Iowa. Um, I think whoever wins a Gonzaga Kentucky game is going to be your champion, and right now I have Gonzaga over Tennessee. So,
2: oh, let's go. I'm,
1: I'm looking for like I might make a bracket having Gonzaga as my champion. I might make a bracket where I have Memphis beating Gonzaga, and like maybe some bigger pools where it rewards like uh upsets or something. But I'm not going to make more than two brackets. I might just stick with the one that I made impulse. But I still gotta. You know, go over all these matchups. I still got to really dive deep into them. So we'll see. We'll see where it ends. Boom. But, but that's how I'm feeling right now. Oh, I love it. Well,
0: right. I mean, thank you for coming on the third time. No, is, is he at the yeah.
2: top of the Mount Rushmore? He is. He. I don't think we've had anyone come on more than once other than Ryan.
0: So that would make sense then. That would make sense. Not mm-hmm. not because wow. you're defaulted into being at the top of the Mount Rushmore. You are yeah. like, good, our good best sake. guest. <laughs> yeah, that was a save, asshole. Jesus. I don't even care for this guy, Noah, dude. I don't even know why we keep bringing him on. No, but, yeah, no, you're really good at what you do, I guess, Ryan. Whatever. I try my best. Yeah. Um... No, but seriously, thank you for coming on. We uh, will definitely have you on again in the future. And uh, for one last time, plug your podcast and then Noah can send us off.
1: Yeah, so my podcast is the Sixth Men College Basketball Podcast with Zach. We post uh, probably twice or three times a week. We're still coming at you. Tomorrow morning we're recording a preview of every single first-round game and then our bracket predictions to to wrap it up on Wednesday morning. Uh, you can also find me at bettingpros.com. I've still got some articles to write there. And then also, if you're just looking to copy my bracket, um, I'm going to post it probably Wednesday night or Thursday morning on my Twitter account, at RyanColeman underscore eight. If you just you know, don't really care, you just got to fill out a bracket for like your office pool or something,
2: You know, you can just go follow there, and I'll accept it. Alright, thank you once again, Ryan, for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Bench underscore Chatter. Leave us a like, leave us a rating, and we'll see you soon. Peace.